many of you think that this election has been the worst one yet? Just as far as all the stuff being said and that kind of thing. Like ever? Well, in your lifetime, yeah. I mean, we're not out there dueling like, who was it, Lincoln and... Was that even... That wasn't even candidates, was it? Um, how many of you wish that there was someone else to vote for? Uh-oh, now we're, we're treading into... Oh, yeah. How many of you are just fed up with the whole election process? Yeah. Did you know in Britain, they only have a month? There's one month where they can where they can campaign and do, I mean, maybe there's stuff behind the scenes, but it's one month. That would be awesome. I would love that, right? I mean, you got, I would intensely, I would be focused. I, would, I wouldn't be, you know, turning the channel. I'd be listening. I'd be studying, and, which I do anyway. But um, So today I want to talk about God and our nation. And um, there's really two realities that we need to understand before we, before we talk about this. And the first one is this, the United States, and we need to understand this, is no longer a Christian nation. It isn't. Um, when you look at what scripture says about what a follower of Christ is, that is just the basics, right? We desire to be with God, to spend time with him, to, to spend time in his word and know him, to spend time in prayer, right? Just the basics. When you ask the, those two questions, do you spend time with God in His Word? Do you spend time with God in prayer? 90% will say, not really, no. And there's not that desire there. And, and that's not good for, for us as a nation. Now, I know this is a, kind of a, a Debbie Downer statement, but we're, we're no longer a Christian nation, according to the definition of Scripture. Um, in your mind, let me ask this, who comes to mind, let's take out the recent presidents, the last four, okay, because that's pretty much my lifetime, so that would be uh, Obama and, who was before that, uh, Bush and Clinton and Bush, Bush the elder, okay, so if we take, let's take those four out, and I want you to think about all the rest of the presidents. Who in your mind, and I know we don't know them, we never had a personal relationship with them, but who in your mind was the president or presidents that you feel like looked to God? Jim Carter. Carter, okay, yeah. Lincoln. Lincoln, yeah, okay. Who else? Is that all? That's all we could have Yeah, if you read the Founding Fathers, um, Monroe, Washington, uh, they, they, they were trying to, to follow God as best they can. Um, and uh, they were coming from England, who was oppressive religiously, right? Um, in recent history, though, I'm willing to bet you we could probably list more scandals then we could presidents, couldn't we? Um, and now we've got another choice, and it's between multiple candidates, and I mean, it's just plagued with controversy, right? I mean, it just seems worse this year. Um, and it used to be that Americans would look to God uh, as our leader, including the president. You know what I'm saying? You mentioned Jimmy Carter. 
he, would, he would openly say, I, I'm a born-again Christian. Right now, he's 90-something years old. Is that right? 80-something years old. He's teaching Sunday school at a Baptist church in Georgia and just defeated cancer, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty cool, I think. And, and we can argue a lot about, like, when did, it, when did it change? When was this shift? But the fact is, there's been a dramatic shift in the, in the national thinking. And um, we are now looking to a president to save us. And, and that's the second thing we need to recognize, and that is we are looking to faulty humans to lead us and guide our nation. Now, please understand, I am saying that any human we choose, no matter how wonderful they are, will lead us astray. And I'm, I'll, I'll, let me explain what I'm, what I'm talking about here. In 1 Samuel... Chapter 8, let's see if I can find it here, I pulled it away. 1 Samuel chapter 8, the people have been led by God and Samuel has been his mouthpiece, okay? And he's getting old and his two sons are just thugs. I mean, they're, they're doing all kinds of stuff that Samuel does not approve of, but Samuel isn't stepping up against them. And so in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 8, verse 4, it says this. It says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Now this statement, I think, is, is hilarious, sad, and hilarious again. Because it starts out, Samuel... You're old. I mean, how do you, how would you, feel? And, and it's not just you're old, it's like, listen, buddy, you're old, you're, you're going to die pretty soon. And I'm sure you know this, but look at you, you know? And, and they're very clear, they don't want his sons to take over. Okay, that's fine. But their choice, and what they say is, give us a king to lead us. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, ask God to provide someone else. They say, we want a king like all the other nations have. Because they're looking around and they've got all these nations who are trying to defeat them off and on. And they say, man, they got a king and look how cool he looks. And he's got all the stuff and the garb and man, he's leading them into war and all. We got to have one of those because that's what will save us. And they're, they're not looking back at their past, I mean, recent past, and going, wait a minute. We, we got led out of slavery, out of Egypt. We, we got the promised land right here. And when this happens, when we ask for man to lead us, we're looking for a perfect leader in man. And as hard as we try, we're going to fail in that endeavor. Because there's no such thing. Now, Israel wanted a tangible leader and a savior. All wrapped up into one. And if you look at our nation, it kind of mirrors our 
political landscape right now. Uh, so let me ask you this. And this is a dangerous question, and I realize this. Not social issues, okay? I'm not talking about political party platforms. But what characteristic do you want in a president? I mean, just, just general characteristics. What would you want? What do you want in a president? Honesty. Honesty. I think we all agree on that. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. What else? Transparency. Okay. Yeah. Diplomacy. Diplomacy? Yeah. Compassion. Compassion. Yeah, absolutely. Slow to anger. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, if I list all these, we can probably knock all our candidates out, right? Because we could all say, man, I want all of this in one guy, right? We're looking for the perfect leader in a man. And the more we try, the more we're going to fail when we do that. And here's the thing. God will give us what we want. He'll say, okay, well, just like he did with Israel. Here's what happened with Israel. Um, Israel had been led by God, and Samuel was the mouthpiece. Before that, Abraham and Moses was the mouthpiece. But God was leading. In fact, when Moses was leading them out of slavery, and we'll look at both Abraham and Moses here in a minute, when he was leading them out of slavery, God leading them, they had a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke to follow. The fire at night and the smoke during the day. Now that's tangible, right? That's cool. And, and we think, a lot of times we're like, oh man, I wish, I wish we had that. But we do. We've got the Holy Spirit within us. He's closer than fire and smoke, and, right? That fire burns you. we got the Holy Spirit right here to lead it. Spend time with him and listen. Romans 13.1 says that he places the leaders. Jump to that. Go, go through all of that, uh, Nick. By the way, Nick, this is Nick's last Sunday with us. Um, after, after the service, I want to uh, have Nick come up and we'll pray over him as they're moving back to, of course, Chelsea's already up there, but they're moving back to uh, Missouri. And uh, uh, so thank you, Nick, for all the serving that you've done around here we we really appreciate you he's serving on his last day just because i asked him so um but yeah romans 13 1 it says we got to submit ourselves to the governing authorities there's no authority except that which god has established the authorities that exist have been established by god even if you don't like them sometimes god gives us what we want as a nation but we may not like them personally and so whoever we vote for Tuesday is placed there by God because he's giving us what we ask for. And here's the thing. We want all this control, and he'll give us that control. And man, we're going to screw it up pretty bad when we have that control. So for Israel, here's what happened. They said, we want a leader, we want a leader. And God said, okay. And he gave them Saul. And Saul started working out, and it was pretty cool. And then he goes crazy. I mean, just... Like, nuts. Psychologists have actually looked at the character of Saul. He's a real person. I say character. 
the historical character. And, and they think that there may have been something wrong in the brain. Because he just starts, he goes, he's back and forth, he's going crazy. And then Saul's removed. David comes in. And David, with David, everybody's like, oh, David, David's awesome. Great king. And he goes for a while, and he's wonderful. And then his sin kicks in. We got some adultery. We got some lies, a lot of lies. Then we've got murder. Oh, David, David, not good, buddy. And David repents, and he turns back to God. And because he does that, God says, you know what? After your son, that's when I will take my hand off of Israel. And then his son takes over, and that's Solomon. And Solomon was supposed to be the wisest man in the world. The problem was Solomon had a problem with the ladies. I don't know if you've ever read the story of Solomon, but he was all at once a ladies' man slash adulterer. He, he had houses full of women, right? Concubines and things like that. And you're just off to the side. That's not good, Solomon. But God hadn't taken his hand off yet. And then after Solomon, the wheels come off. And for hundreds of years, actually Israel splits up into Judah and Israel. And for hundreds of years, both of these nations are just getting worse and worse and worse. And you look at it and you say, God, why don't you just destroy them right after Solomon? I mean, just... Cut the snake off at the head, right? Right. You know what I mean. And so we look at it and we ask God, what are you doing? And God's saying, I'm, I'm having mercy on them. I'm waiting for them to come back. I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm showing mercy and I'm showing mercy and I'm showing for hundreds of years for each one of these nations, Judah and Israel, he shows mercy on them. Now, when you look at our nation, I think I can make a very strong argument that God has taken his hand off of America, and we're in the mercy stage. We can argue about that, and I realize that. Maybe we're not there yet, but we are definitely walking that same path because we're not following God anymore. This is what happens when we look to man, when we should be looking to God. Look, no one dies and goes to Washington, D.C., Right? Does anybody, I mean, it's not the White House, Congress, all of that, it's not just filled with ghosts running around, right? We go to, to be with our Father in heaven as followers of Christ. And so we're repeating Old Testament biblical history here. Now let's look at the way that it should be, because I've really got you depressed right now, and I understand that, right? Um, let's look at the process that actually works. Genesis 12. The call of uh, Abraham. Nope. I missed that one up too. Here we go. Genesis 12. <clears throat> it says this. The Lord had said to Abram. This is before God changed his name to Abraham. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household. And go to the land I will show you. Now, very innocu innocuous uh, verse here. Okay, all right. Not that big of a deal. Notice the first four or five words there. The Lord had said to Abram. It wasn't, 
oh, we went in there and we got convinced and we wanted this guy. It was the Lord picking Abraham. And then you see in Exodus 3, verse 1 through 4, with Moses, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, man, I'm going to go over here and see this strange sight. I mean, you can see this. As a guy, you're like, "Uh, that is cool. I'm going over here to check this out, right? Why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that Moses... When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. God is the one that calls to Moses. God is the one, if you read on, he says, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. Moses is like, "Ah, hang on, hang on, hang on. I got all kinds of issues. I got a stuttering problem. God says, well, all right, your brother, he's he's a good speaker, Aaron, I'll use him, and you speak through him, but you're the one in charge, because I'm leading you. God chose Moses. Now, you look at these guys, Abram and Moses, they're not sinless either. Abraham had this promise from God, he's 100 years old, Uh, his wife Sarah's 90, God says, I'm going to give you a child. And they're like, okay, buddy, all right. Moses says, okay, I think it's going to happen. Sarah says, no, 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 no. Go sleep with the servant and have a child through her. And it'll still be ours. They didn't trust God. Moses, before God appears to to Moses, he, uh, he kills a guy and runs off. So we're talking about an adulterer and a murderer. What's the difference? The difference is God chose them and God was with them. The difference is God is in control, not us. Now, I know we hate the feeling of helplessness, don't we? I mean, especially as a nation, we want to be, we've always been the top dog as long as we've been alive for most of us, right? We don't like helplessness, but as a nation, we're trying to control so tightly and everything's falling off the rails. Does does this make sense? Like, it doesn't make sense. There's only two things that we have the power to do individually and as a church family. The first one is that we pray. We pray. We pray for our leaders. We need to pray that God will raise up a leader and that we will be discerning of who that is. Um, In the meantime, because this is my personal opinion, I'm not sure that we've got that person in this election out of all four, you know, candidates that you can vote for in the major parties anyway. There's a bunch more actually when you get up there. But in the meantime, we need to pray for our leaders because Even if we don't like them, God put them there. 1 Timothy 2, 1 1 through 3 says, I urge you then, first of all, 
that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Even if you don't like them. Even if, I mean, there, I know people out there that are just like, right? They're just angry at certain candidates and officials. We still pray for them. How else are things going to change? It's not working the way we want to do it. And here's the thing. The hardest things to pray for are the people that are furthest away from us, aren't they? We don't know any of these people. It's so, even our local officials, we don't know them, most of us, right? And so it's out of sight, out of mind. But we have to be diligent to pray because God is calling us to pray for them. And look, even if they don't know it, they need our prayers, right? They need the guidance that God can give. The second thing is this. We need to share the gospel. We need to share Jesus As our world gets worse and worse, people are going to see their need for Christ more and more. You need to tell people about Jesus. You need to tell them how he walked willingly to the cross to die for our sins. He was raised from the dead. That's the power that he has. And right now he sits next to God the Father. Right now he sits in our hearts for those of us who have given our lives to him. And so as the world gets worse, Jesus' sacrifice makes more and more sense. More people drowning in sin are going to realize they need his rescue. And the world is dealing with bad stuff right now. And he is the hope of the world. There's nothing in this world that can save us or fulfill us or satisfy us. Nothing. Not long term, maybe momentarily. But nothing satisfies us but him. And here's here's what's ironic to me. We're looking for this tangible savior. We're looking for this, this savior we can touch and hold. And God actually did that for us, didn't he? He gave us Christ, God in tangible form. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Now, we can't touch the Holy Spirit, but we sure do feel him when we do something wrong, right? That conviction, we sure do feel him when we are living for him and we're giving him praise. There's something stirring on our hearts and our minds. And oh my gosh, it's awesome when we're praising God. And he's working in us. God gave us Jesus in tangible form, a tangible Savior. So here's my challenge. The next two days, maybe I should have done this a month ago, right? But the next two days, you spend a lot of time in prayer. You spend a lot of time asking God to direct you and lead you. And then after that, we pray for our leaders. And we ask God to raise up a leader... That we know, that we know, that we know, that we know is from Him. So that our nation can be led by somebody who is following God. So that our nation can be led by God Himself.
you pray for us. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you that you um, bless us. Father, we ask that you would turn us around as a nation. Give us wisdom. Give us insight into your word. Give us the ability to hear from your Holy Spirit. Lord, may this Tuesday, uh, may you elect and bring about the person that you would have be our leader. Whether it is from the standpoint that we want control, whether you want to place them there because they follow you, we trust in you, we will follow you, we will pray for them, and we will ask for your guidance. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.